morning. My name is Felicia Harris, and I'd like to welcome you to the Owner to Owner podcast. Now, you already know, owning a business is complicated. There are a zillion moving parts. And when you bring employees into the picture, things get even more complex. Whether you have one employee or 10,000 employees, it can be a challenge to keep it all running smoothly. And that's where everything HR comes in. We do one thing, HR. We're human capital experts. We're problem solvers. We make things simpler. And this complimentary podcast will provide you with the latest HR trends. Whether you do business in your home state or across the United States, you'll be able to call in and speak with HR professionals about the things that keep you up at night. But more importantly, you'll hear best practices from other business owners that have been in your shoes. Now, you're more than welcome to call in, and the call-in number is 929-477-1199. But I also know a lot of you join us online. And if you have any questions, feel free to email them to support at everythinghrfs.net. That's support at everythinghr.net. Now, this podcast, I want to dedicate to my number one fan, and that's my mom. My mom is, has taught me over the past few days that she is a very strong woman. I was, I was rear-ended about a week and a half ago, and so she always, always listened to our podcast. And so I want to let her know that while I'm here doing the podcast, that I am still thinking about her. And she's in my thoughts and my prayers, and I will be there with her as soon as I end this podcast. But today, we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Lee Meadows, who is an award-winning professor of management at Walsh College here in Michigan. And I cannot, there is no way that I can give you all of Dr. Meadows' background, because if you don't know Dr. Meadows, I have to figure, where have you been? Because Dr. Meadows is such, not just a wonderful person, he is a professional in this area of management. And today's topic, he has a passion for HR, and our today's topic is something that I know he'll be able to enlighten us, not just as business owners, but also as HR professionals. Because one of the reasons I invited Dr. Meadows to actually do this is because I want HR professionals to know their role at the financial table, but I also want business owners to know what that role is and how that role should be defined. And so right now I'm going to actually invite Dr. Meadows to give us a little bit about his background. For those of you that may not know him, you may be in another state. And so I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Meadows and say welcome, Dr. Meadows, to the Owner to Owner podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Felicia. I appreciate that introduction and the opportunity to spend some time with you and your your podcast followers talking about, of course, a topic I'm very passionate about. So on behalf of my, myself and Walsh College, my employer, and you know, all my colleagues out there in, in human resources, thanks for the opportunity. And I don't want to spend a lot of time about my background because I like to talk about the topic, but just know that it's been over 35, close to 40 years of human resources uh, as part of my career track, I, I got into the field very early in my career. It's been a career that's been very supportive of, 
a lot of my professional activities. So I've, and I've had a chance to work in the field in a variety of different places, from the automotive end, from General Motors to uh, Conway Transportation, the, the Kellogg Foundation, EDS, A.T. Kearney. Uh, and so I've, I've taught it at very, various different levels and been consulting in it for the last 10 or 15 years as well. So it's my to say it's my passion is, 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 is in many ways an understatement. And the opportunity to come and talk about you know, my passion, its impact on, in organizations and with my colleagues. I mean, like you, I also do a lot of leadership training around this particular topic, and I enjoy going in and consulting with HR professionals to talk through strategies for, you know, how do you get to the table, stay at the table, and what are some of the things they need to be thinking about. So, and also on behalf of my lovely wife, Dr. Phyllis Meadows, and my son, Garrison Meadows, let's get this, let's get this show rolling. Awesome, awesome. So now, I'm going to ask you, what is your perspective of the HR role at, at the financial table? How 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 should that setup be? Okay. So how well, should they gain the relationship with the employer? Okay. Then let, let me give a context. Okay, and I'll just take a couple of minutes, okay. not a couple of minutes, but just a just a, a few seconds to provide context, and then talk about how that how we pivot that. To the, to the table. The human resources profession is one of the most embracing professions uh, of all those out there. I mean, it's, it's a profession in which individuals can do one or two things. They can either major in human resources and come through that kind of, that kind of curriculum, which is one avenue that individuals choose. But another avenue is that individuals don't major in it as an undergrad, but they major in a, re, in a related topic. Like you know, like liberal arts, or like a sociology, or like a psychology, and through interesting career moves, they find themselves working in human resources because the things that they learned and discussed are compatible with that topic. Now, having said that, those curriculums, along with human resources curriculums, in their in the process of designing them, don't really focus on the finance piece of it. What they talk about is the people development piece of it, which is a strong focus from recruiting, retention, and all that. All those things are important to sustaining an organization's ability to remain competitive. The disadvantage, of course, being that since there isn't a finance course or an accounting course built into the curriculum, it's not something that HR folks have to think about until they actually find themselves working an HR job and and the discussion becomes one of how does finance begin to um, how does finance play into working the business? Now, having said all that, to your question, one of the things that HR professionals have to start thinking about is to be more than just to, to think beyond the function and think more about how does the business work. You know, when you talked earlier about what you do in your role as um, working with small business owners, owners because there's a zillion moving parts to this whole thing, and the idea is to keep the parts afloat and connected. From one of the role of one of the roles of HR becomes one of trying to trying to get the HR function functional, all right, which is a which is a critical step, but also allowing that to evolve to where you understand how the business itself works. 
And so those are two interesting parts that have to that, that need to come together and, and oftentimes the only way to do that because of how a lot of us are trained, the only way to do that is to immerse yourself into the business um, that you find yourself in. And and not just focusing focusing on how to make HR work, but a more broader strategy is is how to um, how to help the business function. Now you've also you know you also know that you work with a, a lot of business owners, and and a and a lot of small business and medium sized businesses. The function, the basic function is just to keep is keep the keep the keep the thing running, keep it afloat, and to understand what's the next level in terms of competition around product or service delivery. It has a, it has a somewhat, I've often described as having kind of this chaotic piece to it in which there's this, this constant reaction, constant reaction. How do we get something to be, how do you get something to be non-reactive to becoming much more proactive? Well, oftentimes the HR function in a lot of those businesses operates the same way because in, a, in most of those scenarios, the HR person is a one, possibly two-person operation, which means they are responsible for all the functions within HR and, and getting that delivered inside of the organization. So, it often, so on, the, on the one hand, it makes it seem as if it's difficult to uh, embrace how the business thinks, but on the other hand, the one thing the thing that I've learned over the years is because you're doing all those functions, you have no choice but to pay attention to how the business works. So what makes it easier to get to the table is not is not being able to talk about one to talk and demonstrate about one's expertise in human resources, but to be able to show that that expertise in human resources provides an insight for how the business how the business functions. Business is oftentimes driven by numbers. Numbers are typically things that don't show up in human resources curriculum or sociology or, or whatever other places that in which they, you know, which they started their path. Well, so what becomes important in terms of getting to the financial table is to have a basic fundamental of what, how the numbers operate and what is the, what are the numbers impact Given the strategy that the organization is trying to is, is trying to implement, so for so for a lot of my colleagues, myself included, because I also had to learn it, is how do you learn the numbers in such a way that um, you become helpful to the organization? So, lesson number one: I've always told folks that even if you're not, oftentimes you know we come into this profession because a lot of us aren't numbers inclined. In fact, the tendency is to run away from them. Because they, you know, it's like a whole different language, which it is. But I've always found that whenever I've been able to align myself with someone in the organization who has a finance background, and I spend time talking with them about what they do and how the numbers impact the organization, what I find, find more often than not is that they are more than willing to be sharing with that information. I think that finance people love it when non-finance people ask them questions about finance and tend to move in their direction and let them let them help guide that HR person in terms of what those numbers mean. Does it mean that um, you need to run out and take a finance course right away? I, I would recommend that you do. You know, find it. Yeah, that that's always helpful to understand that. But you've got finance people right there in the organization who see how this stuff is operating. Well, I say you build relationships with them 
and allow them the opportunity to tell you how it how it, how is it that the numbers come together, what they mean. One and one is not one and one is two, but that two has implications for possibly you know an, an elevation in in your retention budget or a cut in your retention budget. All right, the numbers mean something, and so for all, for a number of us, the idea is to start to understand what the numbers mean, not just the black and white of it, but what's in between all of that. When an organization decides to cut back on, cut back 10% of its, reduce itself by 10% in terms of budget, well, that has an implication, not just for HR, which which always gets impacted, but do you understand how that impacts the entire organization? That now that the business has said, there's going to be a 10% reduction in terms of the, the cost for running this organization. All right, we tend to take it personal as, a, as an HR thing because it does tend to work in our direction. But the real thing becomes, do you understand the impact across the entire organization? Because if you do, perhaps your conversation doesn't become one of woe is me, but one of, well, here's something else you might want to think about when you, you're given that 10% you're giving that 10% cost reduction. Maybe it is a matter of slashing this particular thing, but we know that this particular area over in so-and-so is not as profitable as it could be, and so maybe we begin to formulate some strategy around that. The idea is to, be, the, the idea is to understand it so that you can help talk strategy with the, organiz, with the organization at a time when those conversations are going on. That's, that's, so that's one angle of it. So now you said so much stuff that I so much agree with. And and I think, (laughs) no, no, it's all good because I think why it's easy for me is because that is finance is my background. And so just to to kind of share a a actual recent thing with a brand new client is going to be, they've been in their industry for over 30 years, almost 40, and they're deciding to open up a business that they're looking at in the future of franchising. And so they want, took us on or contracted us to become their HR department, and they had this whole list of things that they had planned out with someone that had created a business plan for them. And so, you know, we went through our process of assigning an HR person and all of this stuff, and during our HR meetings, and I'm hearing the different things, and I'm like, something's not adding up. And so, sure enough, I'm, I'm looking at him like, okay, wait, this is not going to be a profitable business, or she'll shut her doors before she ever even opened. And so I took the business owner, actually met with them, and took them through the numbers. Um, they were trying to open up a salon, and I asked them the simple question that for one of the receptionists they were looking to hire, and based on what they were looking to pay them, and based on what they, just that person makes, it came out to be like 1,800 haircuts that they have to make that just cover that one person's wages. Right. And so it's like, no, you need to go back to whoever, you know, created your business plan um, structure on there because this is not going to be profitable. And taking them through the process and letting them know, you know, one of the biggest things that a business owner face and it does or a corporation face is cash flow. It doesn't matter what size you are. Cash flow is always an issue wherever you are on the spectrum. So you have to make exactly. certain that there's consistent cash flow. And I, that was not there. And I, you know, and, and so my HR person that has been assigned, she walked out of her like, 
okay, my mind is just like exploding right now because I'm going like, it never dawned on me to question the information that she had. Right, because because she assumed that the information that, that was being presented was on was on target, and yep. that oftentimes becomes a you know one of the downfalls for not having at least a basic understanding of numbers, because Correct. this person is, was also being led down a path, whom based on that plan she also believed that everything was right. Until Correct. someone who understands numbers came along and said, "Well, no, you got to break that down." Now, I'll, and, and I'll ask you. I know you asked the question, but I'll ask you. When you when you when you were able to look at that, did that involve some major complex arrangement of figures no. in order for you to come to that conclusion? That's that's no. the point. And that's no, the point. It didn't. Hmm? I pulled yeah. out a ten. I pulled pulled out on my phone a ten key calculator. And did the numbers right there off a 10-key right. calculator. Right. I didn't, yeah, even right. though I carry a financial calculator with me, I didn't even use that. So here's what I want my colleagues in your audience to understand about what you just said. It wasn't a major complex computation. It was simple math, and you took it out and said, here's what the numbers say. You've got to cut it. you got to, I was going to say cut, shake 1,800 heads in order to reach this number. Is that possible? And once that number, once that number revealed itself, now it changes the strategy because now you know what you're looking at, all right? That's, that's, what, that's the thing that's so critical to the relationship that to not run from the numbers and don't always think that the numbers are some major computation. Oftentimes it's it's very simple math that, all right, here's what, so here's what, here's the neat thing about, about going into the world of work and living and living the life of life. You have to encounter numbers in your profession, no matter what you're doing. You have to encounter numbers in in your, in your life all the time. You know, if you're balancing a checkbook or trying to figure out how do you move your budget around in your home or if you're trying to decide between paying tuition to take a class or putting a down payment on, it's all numbers. It's all numbers. And when the numbers are in front of you, the numbers drive the strategy. See, and what, and, and what, and what we want folks to understand is that strategy just means that the focus is going to be on this area as opposed to this, because we can't do everything. Exactly. And so, all you, so what you did was show, here's what the numbers say. You know that's not possible, so now let's go back and rethink the strategy based on that number. And that's, and that's the insight. That's the help. Those are the things that, um, that, that when in getting HR to the table, those are the kind of things we have to be able to talk about. We can't just talk about, we've got to talk about the HR stuff, but we've also got to talk about how the numbers drive that stuff. It is, you really do. And you have to, to, to take that a step further now to the business owner or to that department. Now you have the seat at the table because now they know you understand the business. You, you yeah. now are a valued member 
of that organization because now they can come to you and they can have serious conversations about the direction of the organization because they're going to know that you are there really representing the workforce because if you own a business and you need employees to get your product or service out, they are your most valuable asset. But at that same time, businesses look at it as they're also my most expensive liability that I carry. How can I make a balance between the two? And that's where the value of HR come in because you can really be the balance between the two where it's fair for both. It's not one against the other one because you're going to fail or succeed together. So the the attitude of it's going to be one against the other one, you cannot have. So you always have to create a win-win. Yeah, and 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 to under and to underscore that, that be, you know, yeah, that becomes the balancing act because the workforce is both asset and liability depending on what's going on with the organization at that time. Those sands shift based on economic cycles. Um, mm-hmm. Things happen that are oftentimes beyond the control of the organization, and while the tendency is always to want to go with the hit the workforce. First, perhaps the numbers suggest that that's not the strategy, that it might be something else, all right? And so the value, the value added, see, I've always, I've, I've always, well, what I've learned over the years is that when you're in an HR role, um, the value added is that as long as you're, as long as you're able to think beyond the function. All right. That's right. When you're an accounting function, you have to think within the function. When you're finance, you're thinking within the function. Marketing, thinking within the function. I don't think HR has that luxury. I think luck. I think HR has to think within and beyond the function and function into the business to help business owners, CEOs, COOs, better formulate the strategies that they're going to use to keep the organization competitive. All right. Exactly. So it's not always to strike the people first. But it's, let's look at the, let's look what the numbers are saying and formulate a strategy based on that. Correct, and because there are other ways that they can look at how can we maintain our workforce. What other areas that are non-essential that that are you know how can we reduce and that are variable costs that we can get rid of and shed first before we look at the people. And, exactly. and knowing what those things are by working with whoever your financial people are within your organization. And and if you get in the habit of even from your department standpoint of being mindful of your controlling your costs for your area, then you can always go forward and put forth the things that you've done. And and then I I try to encourage HR professionals to do that on a consistent basis as to how you are maintaining your budget. If you don't have a budget for your area, you need to create a budget for your area because that's volumes for you have being able to not only protect your workforce, but really you're protecting the foundation of the business, which is the people. Exactly. And in a lot of, and in a lot of ways you're protecting the business because businesses Correct. are known for businesses are known for shooting themselves in the foot. And later really looking back and going, Well how come no one told me? How come I didn't know that? How come I didn't figure I was, a lot of it I wasn't able to figure it out? Because someone didn't t- didn't show you what the numbers meant and to get you to think beyond the the best way to do something is just to hit the workforce. Well, that might not be true. Maybe we don't. 
maybe we don't leave the lights on as long. Right. right. Maybe we don't. You know, right. Maybe there are some other variable things that we can begin to look at in the whole in the whole picture and scheme of things and say, all right, here's a better way of trying to get get at that and still maintain basic foundation of the business. So I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It is. It is. And it's so many. There's so many avenues that we can look at the protecting and. Kudos for the HR professionals because you're we're very good at protecting the people and making sure the people get everything, but we have to balance that on the other side with management. And so we have to be certain that as we're keeping that budget and we're being a part of the conversations as to what things are going ahead for the business and if there's new products or, or services that they're looking to spin out, if it comes time for a workforce reduction, if you've done your budget correctly, you can say, hey, we can't let these folks go because that's going to impact the product or service you're looking to spin off. Exactly. And so, but, you know, but if you, but if no, you don't, please. if you don't take the opportunity to, to know that and be able to show them your numbers, you're, as a financial person, and being involved in, 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 in reductions that's on there, they just here, this is what you're going to do. It's handed to you. Because the first thing that goes, training and development is the first thing that's cut. To them, they look like that's the easiest thing. But if you have your numbers, you'd be able to go and say, no, that's not the first thing that should be cut. Because, look, you're spinning off this product or this service. I need to be able to retrain these folks. Because only a, a, a skillful workforce is a successful workforce. So you can't look at that as being the first thing. So you can begin to protect your workforce with your numbers. Well, and and, and I guess to, I guess to, to add a little bit more to that particular scenario because I, I I see it happen all the time. The um, you know the the greater tendency is to think that we can you know we, when when we go into those kinds of you know reductions or things that, you know, new product launch where we also got these kinds of these kinds of budgetary issues going on. And the tendency is to want to go, well, on the surface, the easiest thing to do is this. And so we do that. When we have the numbers, we go, yeah, that's the easiest, but here's how it's going to, this is here's, here's here's how you're going to pay for it in the long run. Right. If you cut the training from this, this is what it's going to cost you in quality and 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 other areas because you haven't thought that you haven't thought that through. All right, I think that one of the thing I think that one of the assets that HR folks have as part of their you know as part of their wheelhouse is the ability to uh, build and develop relationships within the organization. That's that's inherent to what it is that we have to do. And so oftentimes, while we're working with our function, we tend to forget that. One of our strengths is the ability to go out and connect with people and other functions and build relationships so that when the time comes to know, understand, learn, and implement, that you also got people in your corner who are also backing up the things that you say and adding value to the things that you want to implement because of the nature of the relationship that you built with them. Right, so rather than being, rather than think of yourselves as you know, well, I don't know anything about finance, so I can't go and have a conversation with somebody in finance. I think the opposite is true. I think you 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 work through that 
um, you work through that concern and you find that individual or individuals who are willing to become your kind of internal consultants around teaching you the numbers and what the numbers mean for the business. Right? Because one here's here's the other thing, Alicia. Every organization, all organizations have an inherent bias to how they want to how they want to get things done. And in the last fifty years of business, one of the inherent biases is always to cut slash and burn. Cut slash burn. Cut slash burn. Because, you know, things ha- things have to happen in real time. Stakeholders and stockholders have to be addressed and organ and businesses have to keep functioning. So the, 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 the bias when numbers are concerned is, well, just cut, cut, slash, and burn these kinds of things because that's the immediate thing that we can do. Well, <laughs> because of that particular bias, that always comes back to bite an organization and it's in a derriere because it didn't think through, through the entire process. Part of being in human resources is not just to be the conscious of the organization and say, here's some things they think about within the function, but to understand that you also have value in terms of how that how this particular function affects can impact that kind of decision making. Right? A small you know, whether you own a lemonade stand or a lemonade business, everything is about decision making and what drives those decisions, what are the numbers saying to an individual's in a position to look at the numbers and interpret, and that becomes and that's and that's part of the value of what you know what we bring to the table. But getting to the table and being able to offer those kinds of insights always makes a difference. The one thing that you know, that oftentimes you know we get zinged on is where we implement change and change occurs. Oftentimes, we don't see a tangible result from that, you know, because as you know. We deal with a lot of intangibles. People are, you know, people issues oftentimes are intangible, so you can't measure them in ways in, in, in ways that seem to make sense to the organization. Well, the numbers help do that. The numbers take those things that are intangible and make them tangible. In other words, now it's a box I can hold in my hand and look at and go, oh, okay. Now I see what you're talking about, as opposed to it's just a as opposed to just a conversation. It is, and that is so true because if, if you if you have the numbers, numbers are, I mean, and financially, well, we look at numbers as that's black and white. Numbers don't lie. I mean, that's our main thing. Numbers don't lie. It is it's either correct or it's incorrect. So you either got correct data. If you don't have correct data, then it's not going to be correct. But if you have that information and you're able to have that talk with that business owner or that department, then that makes you more valuable to that organization. But I will say this, you have, the larger you are, the, the more prominent that this problem is where you have managers and making decisions for their department, not recognizing the impact on the next department. And where exactly. HR, where HR can be the bridge between the departments is if you're involved in the decisions that each part the department is making, you're able to get that communication out there, not just to the decision makers, but also to the people. Because I, I strongly believe if you don't control the narrative, and, and then the people will create a narrative. And in some organizations, that can just be bad altogether. So you are able to control 
the, all the communication channels throughout the organization because you touch everyone. Well, and, and as you know from working in, in, a, in a lot of different places, and so do I, people love to create their own narrative. Uh, it's they much do. more entertaining. It's a lot more humorous, and it tends to put it, it tends to put uh, it's within their perspective, and so it makes sense, even though it may not have no basis in reality whatsoever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you have to control a lot of the narrative that comes with this. You know that, that comes with this. And so you know, so one of the things that we're talking about here, Felicia, is we, we're not talking about a very complicated process for. Uh, for learning how to become actively involved in the numbers. Again, if we, if individuals who are, you know, living life and working and those kinds of things, you begin to think about how you use numbers to drive your own personal life, it's the exact same process. All right? As you know, numbers are black and white. They are, you know, they don't lie. One and one is always two unless you, unless you change it around and make it something else. But two from, two from, two from four is, is two. But what does that mean? Now what am I, you know, now what's the loss? You know, does that mean I'm out, I don't, you know, we don't go out and dying twice a week now because of that, you know, um, you know, two from four is now two, or do we do something else? Right? So when operating at that most basic and fundamental level, if we start there, then I would even assert that for, indi- for those individuals who really want to learn it now, they are probably much more adept at learning finance because they've had a chance to work and live life and see where numbers are starting to drive their own individual strategies. The process is no different whether it's an individual or an organization. It isn't. It isn't. And so we are halfway through and trying to give them information on that it's not complicated math, therefore the HR professionals, Neither the complicated math or the business owner. For the next half of, of this session, can we tell, I guess, the business owners and organizations how can they better the relationship with the HR professionals? How can they improve the relationship? So if they have an HR department or a one-person HR, what should they be doing to bring that person into the business? Because if they just have them or using them just as a recruiting source, then they're not maximizing that person as an HR professional. No, they're not. No, they're not. So, I, here's, so here's the thing. That's not an HR professional that, that, that they're hiring to bring in. It's a strategic partner. Once you start, once the mindset sits around strategic partner, that means that while they are providing a function for me, they are an integral part of the business that, that I'm operating, and I have to bring them into the fold just as I would anyone else because I need – what they want to do is make sure that that, that HR person or anybody who they, they've hired has a broader understanding of how the business functions. So anybody that, that's being brought in, and we're talking about human resources, so that's where I'll keep the focus. That's not just a human resource person. That's a strategic business partner who is there to help advance – the strategies and complete the goals of that organization. All right, that's the that's the CEO business owner mindset that allows for that kind of growth. The second piece, the, the second piece to that, and I know you've seen this with, with a lot of business owners, is that without that mindset, it makes it difficult for them to begin to think about 
who are the folks that I need to start elevating to certain levels to to be prepared for that time when I have to step aside from the business and give it to someone else. Now, you do a lot of family businesses, so there's already there's already an inherent bias that it's gonna be somebody within the family. But a lot of business owners are, but a lot of business owners are business owners and they're not a family business. What they you know what that person wants to both know and understand is that while they are the, the business owner, the CEO, they are still someone who has to think beyond their own existence. And by that I mean think beyond their own beyond them being the person who's going to always be sitting in that chair calling the shots. You want other people in the business to behave as strategic partners, whether it's HR or accounting or marketing or whatever. And by behaving as strategic partners, that means they understand the strategies of the business and how the business comes together. And the only person that can do that is the one who's bringing those individuals in. If you come in and narrow their focus from day one, I just want you to recruit. I just want you to recruit. Well, they will recruit, but maybe the recruitment may not be reflective of what the organization is going to need in the next five years. It may be trying to solve the moment, but not the long term. When, when, when individuals are operating as strategic business partners, they understand both short term and long term. Maybe there's a certain set of skills that that organization is going to need three years from now that will impact the kind of individuals that you recruit at this particular point. Being a strategic business partner allows you that, allows that overall perspective for how the organization is going to function. So I think, every, I think all business owners have to think of themselves as not just being individuals running a business, but, but teachers within that business to help the sustainability of that business as well. I think the, I think the other thing is for small business owners, there's also an um, inherent bias toward pre-established relationships. All right, and yes. so what does that mean? That means that I'm going to hire my best friend from college. I'm going to hire my uh, my sister's nephew. I'm going to hire you know my 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 frat buddy. I'm going to hire um, my um, my uncle's cousin's uh, first daughter. So it's like we think that there's actually actually control because the relationships are already pre-established. When oftentimes those those can be that's going to be the worst scenario. For someone going in, for someone who's trying to run a business, what you want, what business owners have to do, at any level, is to go with the person who represents the competencies they need to drive that organization. I've got I've got any number of stories from small business small business organizations of individuals who are in the HR role because they just decided to put them in there. Right, so you look like you know what you you know. We were you know friends in college, so go out and do the HR stuff. So they never get the, you know, they never get the context or the background information that drives the HR function. They just go out and do it according to what they think is supposed to be done. And oftentimes, it's more disastrous than it is successful. And I've uh, and, and that's been one of those interesting fights that I've had with 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 business owners down through the years, because. I'm always interested, well, who's the person that's in HR and how did he or she get there? And when I hear those kinds of stories, 
in many ways, it explains why the function is is operating the way that it is. Now, that business will know that because it's got nothing to compare it against. But as, as someone who's gone out and done consulting work in this area, as as, as you have, you know where the comparisons start. To, you know where the comparisons start to come from. And and the idea, I mean, you've got to have some kind of basic understanding of the function in order to make that function work. Well, when you if you decide that you know it's, it's just easier to put my my wife's brother's son who just graduated with a degree in whatever and put him or her in, in that function because because HR is easy to do, then they're already setting themselves up for some kind of failure. All right. Many I've had too many arguments with too many folks who say, well, you know, it's just about the soft skills and the soft skills are easy. Anybody can do that. Well, if anybody can do that, we wouldn't have as we wouldn't have as many EEOC cases that we have. We wouldn't have as many disciplinary cases that we have. We wouldn't have as many lawsuits as we have if it was that easy to do. Soft, <laughs> soft skills are hard. Soft skills are hard. And not everybody, in much the same way that not everybody can can paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, not everybody can do HR. And so the, and so the assumption that, that small business owners make is that, well, anybody can do that. Wrong, lie, misrepresentation, myth. Not everybody can do it because there is an inherent relation, ability to build relationships that's too critical to the process. All right, I'm ranting. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it is. No, that, but it's so – I'm sitting here shaking my head like, oh, my God, that is so true. Because one of the things – there are so many myths for people out there that, you know, oh, I can go pull this off of the Internet, I can pull this, and I can pull this. But And they don't think about there are rules and regulations for your industry, and what you're pulling off the Internet may be in a different location or a different industry. and. Those are things that your HR professional will be able to research and to know and dig into where you are supposed to be looking at the mission and vision and strategy of the company. So the two of right. you are basically getting your assignments and going out and, and being able to pull together instead of saying, oh, I can, I can go do this and this is simple and I can have this, or the one that we get the most, we'll make everybody independent contractors. Well, no, that'll get you in trouble where you don't have a business anymore. And an only exactly. HR professional can be there to tell you those things to make sure that the business has a solid foundation and that the business is something that goes on beyond even you, the present business owner, or present president right. or CEO. If, because if you're gonna if you're gonna make that kind of a decision, because we we see that decision happening all the time, if you make that kind of decision, you need to understand the implications of that. All right. Mm-hmm. So it might be it might be a convenient, easy strategy to do because we'll just make everyone independent contractors that way, and so and so and so and so. But that has implications for your foundation because independent contractors, you know, independent contractors. What that means is. I'm not loyal to the organization. I'm just honoring the contract. So if something, so so whatever it is I learn and help that organ and facilitate through that organization, I take I can take that with me at any moment and just leave. Well, that has implications. You know, uh, it, it, it has serious implications for you know how you you know how you continue the hiring. So maybe some, some maybe something like that constantly keeps your HR person in a hiring mode. So they they don't get the opportunity to do the other stuff. And again, 
it's information, it's numbers, here's how it impacts the strategy, and if that's the, if that's the decision you're going to make, here are going to be your consequences. That's, that's, that continues to be the value added. It does, and it stifles the growth is what I see. Your organization yeah. will never grow if you do not have a solid foundation on the HR side if you have employees. You'll never grow, and, and you're spending more money than you need to, as you just stated, because you're, you have this constant turnover. And, and yeah. for some, if you're not measuring that turnover rate, to you're not seeing how much money you're actually losing. And, and to them, it's like, oh, there's no good workers out there, and I can't keep them, and they're leaving. Well, no. You know, if, if you're turning over people and people are not even staying there three months, you have to look internally and see what's going on, what's wrong. And it's not always money, because if they accepted the position the first time, then it's not money. So you can eliminate that because they never would have took it in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And that's the kind of intangible stuff that in our profession we have to make tangible. It's not enough mm-hmm. to say, well, you know, we just keep experiencing this turnover rate. This turn- we'll just keep putting more bodies in it. We've got to be able to say, but – Here's what you're doing. All right. Here's how it's impacting the budget. Here's how it's here's how it's impacting your ability to get work done when we experience that kind of turnover. And say we just well, obviously they didn't like the money. Maybe they didn't like the maybe they didn't like the way they were they were being treated as employees in an organization. You know, maybe it's not a recruitment issue. Maybe it's a management and leadership issue. You know, maybe we need to look look at you know who's sitting in those roles and how they think about managing people. That becomes those kinds of things become tangible. Following those kinds of trends, looking at the numbers around those kinds of trends, and being able to say, "Here's what's going on. These are the numbers. This is what it means. All right? It's not just numbers, but this is what it means. And here are the implications." That's right. That is so true. And and being able to have that candid conversation with your leadership, you have to have a relationship enough where it's strong enough to take a very candid conversation. You can end, you might not get your way, but at least they know the truth. At the end of the yeah. day, it is that C-suite, they can make the decision or make the call, but if you're able to have that candid conversation and you really put it to where this is the effect on the organization, 99% of the time they're going to take that advice. They might not like it, but they know it's true. And because they care about the organization, especially if you're the owner, you're going to do it. You're going to follow that lead because somebody gave you something that was solid and it's backed up by numbers. That, and and you, there it is. Yeah. It yeah, is. And it then is. they respect you for it. They respect you for having that candid conversation. It, is, it might not be a pretty conversation. It may be a lot of sausage making inside of that. But being able to, they can see your passion for the organization and your desire to see the organization succeed and the information you're giving them is for the good of the organization, you're not going to find very many people that's going to be against you for being honest. Right, right. You know, Felicia, one of the the exercises that that I've, I've done with, CEOs and COOs or, you know, across organizations, whatever, we've done workshops. I always, I always ask them, tell me, what do you think is the role of human resources? And you can imagine the kinds of responses that I get. 
Um, you know, and, and I want, you know, use the, use the time remaining to talk through a lot of those things. But oftentimes what I find is that the patterns seem to suggest that they've got some preconceived ideas as to what they think human resources are supposed to do versus what it really does. And so what I oftentimes will do is an exercise in which I spend time talking them, letting them talk through what they think human resources are supposed to do in order to meet the needs of their organization. And then I do the, re- and then I do the reality check. And I say, well, that's one thing. What about these particular things over here? What, you know, where does, where does this recruit in? You know, they'll, 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 they, they know some of the basics. They'll know some of the, you know, I expect them to recruit. I expect, you know, training to happen. I expect them to, you know, keep the organization, you know, legally defensible and all that. So they may have some of the what. I will talk, oftentimes talk about, but do you know how they do that? And that's where the, and that's where the, that's where the disconnect starts to happen because their perception as to how it's supposed to be done is oftentimes very, very different than how it, than what the um, human resources certifications, the curriculum, state law, all those things say something altogether different. And so, so from that exercise, what we do is spend time talking about how do we connect your perception of what need, of what needs to be done versus the reality of it. And, and therein, it allows those individuals to go back and start to reformulate how they think about human resources, change their perception, and then move that relationship to one of a strategic business partner. So when you, as you and I sit and talk about what HR needs to do in order to get at the table, I also come at it from the other angle. I need, to, I need for the folks to, to understand the ones who are already at the table, what do you think, what's your perception of what they should be doing versus the reality? And that can be quite revealing. That is, that is. That is so true. That is so very true. It has to be seen from both sides. And both sides have to know what their roles are, and, and both sides have to be committed to fulfilling their roles and, and having those open and honest conversations because, like I said, if you have employees and you need the employees to get your product or service out to market, there should never be a meeting, a, a strategy meeting, and your HR person is not present. Because you need that person to be able to, to give you the information you need as to how that's, you know, the impact on the workforce. How many can you recruit? Or is there training that's involved? Or how we're going to communicate this to others? HR should always be involved in your strategy meetings. And if you don't have HR involved in your strategy meetings, as a business owner at a C-suite, you have to think, is your strategy that solid? Because you yeah, don't and, know the pitfalls. Yeah, and I, you know, as you were making a statement, I paused because <laughs> I just uh, said, you know, you know, oh, here we go, because that becomes, how is it that you had a strategy meeting and that person wasn't at the table? I don't know, how do you even think like that? And I you say, all right, we got to have a strategy meeting about, you know, the future of the organization, and so here are the folks are going to meeting, and HR isn't there, you go, well, how, does, how is that possible? And it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's a simple strategy about what the organization is doing or a complex strategy of what the organization is doing. Why isn't that person at the table? Um, it's not a question of being invited. It's, it's practical necessity because they have exactly. information you need for the future of for the strategy that you're about to talk through. And it's always, it's always, if, if HR is in the room, the strategy is always incomplete. And an incomplete strategy 
fails more often than it, than it succeeds. And it's like, oh, well, why did it fail? Because there was a piece of information that you didn't have. You had access to it, but you didn't bring it in. Right, right. And that that is, is everything. That's everything to the organization. It's, it's like, you know, and you can't think that, oh, I'm, we'll dictate to HR what we want to do. Well, no. There's so much information that you're missing from that strategy if you don't involve them from the beginning. So you're setting yourself up for failure and more expensive because if, if you don't get HR involved, they can save you so much money in that putting together that strategy than you trying to bring them in and the back end to, to fill in or try to complete what it is that you've done when if you brought them in right at the ground when you're trying to formulate this, a lot of this from the time frame of implementation and development and all those things, you can save time and money. Just having them at the table at that time when you're formulating this strategy. And, and, so, since, and, and since, yeah, and since time is oftentimes um, immeasurable but impactful, Oftentimes it's difficult to for folks to understand that the time that you invest on that front end, while it doesn't seem measurable or tangible, has these kinds of positive results on the back on, on, on the back end. All right. So, you know, you know, it's it's you know, it's the classic dilemma that we oftentimes find ourselves in. That, you know, you um you prevented something from happening before it happened. And so because it didn't happen we don't we don't tend to think about it. We oftentimes we with things happen and then we react to it. But what if your strategy is one that prevented some kind of long term issue that because it didn't emerge, you didn't realize it was even going to be an issue. It's you know it's it's just, it's just a very interesting it's a very interesting dilemma. But we know that from a, from a from a strategy standpoint, better to know that going on the front end that have it constantly pop up on the back end. That is so true. That is so, so true. But it is, it's something that, obviously, as you know, for it, it, it's, it's a passion on my heart and obviously it's a passion on your heart for both to really come together. When you have a functioning C-suite with, or the decision makers and they're involving HR inside of that, you really have a, a, a organization that is set up to succeed. I mean, they're able to weather all different type of economic environments, and we will always have different economic environments. That's just the way an economy is set up. You have ups and you have downs. So we go through all of the cycles there of it. And when you have a strong foundation, your company will be around forever. But when you don't have a strong foundation and constant communication that's flowing both ways, then your organization is going to be on shaky ground, and you're always going to find yourself having to reinvent yourself on a consistent basis where there's going to be turnover or turmoil in your organization on in consistent basis as to where HR is throwing their hands up and they don't know what to do because they don't know what you want and what direction you're going in because you're not telling them anything. And so exactly. as a business owner at the C-suite, Regardless of what department or area that you're in, if you're having department meetings, I would invite you to have HR in the room or a representative. It's not saying that they're the decision maker, but they are telling, sharing information with you 
that you would not otherwise know about the workforce and the impact it's going to have on not just your department, but the next department, or if you don't have different departments, how is, what impact is going to have six months from now or eight months from now or a year from now on your product and service because you've cut your workforce or you've added too many of your workforce to your workforce right. and the work is not there. Well, and so, so Felicia, here's something. Here's something we're going to do because I I want your listening audience to understand the importance of collaboration. One of the other roles I have is I'm um, president of the State of Michigan chapter of the National Association of African Americans and Human Resources. Uh, we're in human resource group like 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 Sherman and other groups. And on August 26th and 27th. Uh, we're going to be having our two-day state conference where we're going to explore a lot of different HR issues, um, you know, the leader on certification and those kinds of things. So here's my commitment. Um, I was going to have a conversation with you about this later, but I want folks to know where I'm going. I want you to be a session presenter on one of those days around this particular area, and that is how, you know, how do you help, how does HR Get itself to the to the to the table, uh, with a specific focus of HR folks who work in small business, who are trying to work with their small business owners. I want you to look at your calendar and see which day, either the 26th or the 27th, works for you to do a 15-minute session as part of as as part of the curriculum offerings that we're going to have on, on for those two days, because okay. this is this is a primary topic. You are immersed in it. You know it and understand it. Um, and we and for those folks who aren't listening, who are working with small businesses, they need to hear this from you. So I'm recruiting you as a session presenter for one of those days around this topic. Not a problem. But I, but what I would like the commitment for you is to do a session with small business owners because they need the information too. So I'll do the HR folks. But you have to make a commitment to do the small business owners because they need to know how to develop a relationship with HR. If I if we if I can get the small business business owners in the room, I will do that. Awesome. Not a problem. Not a awesome. problem. So, yeah. So the uh, the name the, the conference is the uh, we call it Human Resources. The future is now. That aligns with what you're talking about. You know today. Um, you know, it's going to be two days at the Suburban Collection Showplace in Novi, August 26th and 27th. Um, if people want to go online, it's, it's, it's you know, NAAAHRMICH.org. Go look at it. Um, because you are, as soon as you let me know what day on Monday or Tuesday, whether you want um, morning or afternoon, as soon as we got that confirmed, Session title confirmed. We'll get you know we'll get that posted on the website so people will know. Felicia will be in the house to talk with HR folks and small organizations about how you build those relationships with those business owners. So they will know that. They will know the sign. They will because they need to hear that from you. Now let me ask you this: for those that those HR folks that work with small business owners, should they? Can they also invite their business owners? So you can do one session, well, take them in one room, and I can have the other ones in another one, so that that way 
they're both getting the information that they can go back and begin to formulate these relationships. So now, the very next day, they should be scheduling a talk with each other as to how they move forward. When you write it up, we will make that a requirement. Uh, we will say, we will insist, if you're from a small business, please bring your business owner. They don't have to be there all day if they can't, but they can be there for that, for that session. We'll, you know, we'll make that part of the writer. So, all right, so I want, folks, I want your listeners to know, Felicia's on board and ready to come to talk about those kind, that kind of issue to be helpful to those of you in that scenario where you're trying to build that relationship with that small business owner. Felicia will be there. Awesome. And so what I will do is, all of you guys, we've come to the end of the show, which it went by so fast. Um, we will make sure we put out that information. Most likely it will be on a Monday, but I'll check my calendar. Monday's use is the easiest day um, there for me. But I will definitely check my calendar, and you'll hear more information about that. And But I want to definitely thank Dr. Meadows for taking the time out of his day this morning to join us for this very important topic, not just for HR professionals, but for businesses and organizations, regardless of your size. Um, because if we get this relationship where this relationship is one that is, I want to say, not just profitable um, on there, but one that is solid, the business or organization will be profitable. And so here, look for more information out there, definitely from me on my side. I will make certain that I get that information out to um, Dr. Meadows as to which day I'm available but I also will look for get information out there into business owners because I can think of a lot of business owners that need to attend. So thank you again, Dr. Meadows, and for joining us. And we look forward to another podcast uh, where you join us again. And for all of the listening audience, I look forward to you joining us again on next week. Thank you and okay. have a great day.